Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to episode 10 of the Husky International series, which is a long interview with famous runner and running coach Ruben McRae. My name is Magnus Urmestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Find out more about the other international episodes and all the Swedish ones at huskypodcast.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the handle Husky Podcast. Um, but no, no further questions. No, I don't think so. I think I'm ready to rock. Yeah, see how we do. Hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Uh, glad to have you. Thank you. It's been. Uh, it's going to be a long time. But it's good to be here. Yeah, we've been trying to book this for like half a year or something. Yeah, at least it's been good. But I forgot about you for for a while. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> and then two other, like I said, two other podcasts asked me, and I say, well, I've already been asked by Husky. I think I'll wait. But then I haven't. <laughs> then we, we saw each other at the yeah. Salmi. So yeah, uh, exactly. You're working with uh, Salmi now. Yeah, aren't so you? we're sponsored by them. We get their shoes. Uh, where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in. Uh, was born in a place called Huntley, uh, which is in the North Island of the New Zealand. Um, and then, uh, and then shifted basically when I was uh, about four years old. We moved up to 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 Auckland, which is the biggest town in New Zealand, and uh, and there we spent most, pretty much all of my life until I shifted overseas. Um, what's what's New Zealand like? New Zealand is um, I can say is a wonderful country. It's like you you see it on you know Lord of the Rings and stuff. Very. You can get the four seasons and the four uh, four pillars of the earth in one country. So you can see the ice, you can see the the high mountains, or you can see the fjords of Norway. And in fact, my wife says, Lisa, she says that um, uh, New Zealand's like all of Scandinavia put together, because you have everything that you find in Scandinavia in one place. So that's that's cool. But it's uh, the people are a little bit different. The people in New Zealand are a little bit more. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if you went down to New Zealand and you saw, you met someone on the street that they'd be inviting you to a barbecue that evening, just or come and sleep on my couch or something like that. So it's a very open country. Um, but things have changed since since I've left a little bit. I think they've gone a little bit more uh, conservative, hmm. mm, a little bit more anyway. Um, but does that? Um but does that affect your 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 childhood, like the nature? And you've been talking about the nature and, yeah, and how close I, everything was to that. Yeah, I, I I think that you know, 
because the the nature in New Zealand is so fantastic. You want to be outdoors. You want to be running. You want to be cycling. You want to be, and that's why I think, as a country, New Zealanders have produced so many great runners and so many great triathletes and and so on because it's a it's an adventure, a challenge type country where the the motivation and the inspiration is where you're training as much as getting to the Olympics or anything like that. Mm. What was your childhood like? I had a twin brother, so uh, it was always I always had a friend uh, to play with, always had a friend to run with, <laughs> always had a friend to fight with. Um, so me and my brother were inseparable pretty much until we went to the States, um, which was about 25 years later. Um, but uh, you know, we always competed against each other. Um, my my dad was um, a runner, and he was a very good runner. He was his claim to fame was that he bet our famous mile mile runner John Walker when he was young in a race. Um, so I always looked up to my dad and me and my brother. So we'd always look at his scrapbook because he'd have a scrapbook with all of his results and stuff, and we'd look through it and then go out and run. And he was our coach for a long time. Um, so it was very uh, uh, lots of training, but also lots of um, uh, f good family life. I mean, my mum and dad were very young. They're still very young if you compare to many other parents. So my mum's 16 years older than me and my dad's 20 years exactly older than me. So it's it's like having a, an older brother or something going out and playing with. So it was, it was fun. I mean, my dad would take me and my brother out for a training session after he's trained for a few weeks and kick our butts. So it was... Uh, it was a, in, in a competitive but also a, a nurturing environment. At the same time. But, but running came, came like that natural for you? Yeah, it was pretty much, uh, you know, my, my dad was running and so me and my brother basically just took up running and we, uh, I think I remember joining an athletics club when I was like four or five years old. But that, at that stage you were, you were meant to do everything <coughs> like the high jump and the long jump and I was the only one who ever ran up on the high jump and just flopped down on the mat because I was too scared to jump. <laughs> so that's why I knew I would never be a high jumper. <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, it was, it was a great time to be uh, to be growing up. Very, um, I mean, New Zealand's such a great place to, especially in the summers, to have a great time. You miss it? Um, yes, I would say that uh, if, if Sweden and Stockholm is such a wonderful place for running, so I don't think, I always say that Stockholm, Sweden is probably the best head hoovered, uh, um, <laughs> you know, city in the world that has the best <laughs> running trails. And, and, uh, and if you compare that to anywhere else in the world that I've been to anyway, I think Stockholm is by far the best. So the nature side of things, I, I miss it when I go back to New Zealand like I was in, over Christmas and I uh, think, oh, well, I, now I know why I missed it so much. But it's more my family that mm. I miss, more my brother, yeah, uh, my sister and her kids that are growing up and my parents that are getting older. It's kind of sad sometimes to when you can't just hop on a bus and go over and see them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 having a having a, a father who's a runner and kind of a, a famous runner as well was it was it when you got older was it a bit difficult to, can, to live up to to some expectations? I would say not on those expectations. My dad was very hard when it came to uh, coming when he came to watch us race. I mean, I remember him yelling certain things at me <laughs> and my brother when we didn't perform like he thought we should. 
um, because he thought we were just slacking off or or something like that. But uh, no, I think that just we just thought my dad was uh, into cluck, <laughs> <laughs> not not so um, sane in the head when he. Uh, was yelling at us when we couldn't be number one or number two <laughs> when we were trying our best. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I have only fond memories of running and growing up and know uh, it, he always said, you know, you, you want to run, you want to perform your best, but you also want to enjoy it, which is why I, I love the slogan, run happy, because that's the most important thing. If you're happy about what you do, then you tend to do it more. Yeah. Uh, what did you want to become when you grew up? Well, the, if you thought running-wise, then I wanted to be John Walker. You know, I wanted to be a 1,500-meter runner, a mile runner, because that's the premier distance, well, I thought it was when I was growing up. Um, so that's always, I was actually uh, tried to be an 1,500-meter runner until I was like 27, 28, uh, and then I realized I wasn't getting any quicker. But then if you look at, like, work-wise, I always knew I wanted to... Um, do something with the human body so I wanted to become a physiotherapist a quick gymnast for a long long time um, tried four years to get into the school but maybe that me not getting into there has sort of helped me to where I am today as well so um, I did another course totally separate and then of course I wanted to be an actor or an opera singer or you know uh, an opera singer yeah 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 I used to sing opera um, oh really yeah yeah. also very physical isn't it mm, like physical, much more physical than you than you can imagine yeah I mean it's singing uh, with the, using the muscles in yeah, the chest and everything and it's amazing if you yeah. but I you know I, the, the sad story there is I went to an audition at the Auckland Operatic Society for to come into their sort of group and uh, I performed so badly that day that I I never sang again after that. And I don't think I could sing any very well now anyway because I've been yelling at my clients too much. <laughs> <laughs> Not using my voice properly, so... But maybe like, you could be... Uh, I forgot his name. You could be the new... Uh, new uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Britain's Got Talent. Oh, what's his um, name? The, uh, I remember... His, I know who you talk about. He was... Uh, he, they had a movie about him. But it was all staged, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. But but the audience was made to believe that oh no one knew about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had been taking classes and so on. Exactly. So I can't remember his name now. But I watched the movie. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what is a runner to you? A runner is anyone who feels like they that whole feeling of I need to get out, I need to just be outside, whether it's with someone or by yourself to enjoy the surroundings and just be one and one with your breathing and your and the feeling of whether it's a great feeling or a bad feeling, but that whole need to get outside and, and do it on a regular basis, two, three, four times a week if you have to, if you've got the time. But knowing that that's part of your life and that's part of who you are, I think is... Uh, because people can run, but it's that whole ownership of um, being that person who if you don't go out and run then you don't feel the same and you don't don't feel as good about yourself or how you you know how well you perform have you always had that feeling I would say so I mean I've been uh, even when I was younger me and my brother would run around uh, all the time uh, if you compare that to my sister who's not who doesn't like exercise um, me and my brother maybe 
the whole twin thing helped us shape who we are, but I think that, you know, you either are or you're not. And, and I know there's the book Born to Run, but I think not all of us are born to run. But uh, most of us are, and given the chance, most of us can be runners as we speak. Was it like when when you and your brother were chasing each other on the backyard with your father father yelling out from the kitchen window, lift the knees, lift the knees, faster pace. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> I remember one time actually, my dad. Arch your back. <laughs> my dad is actually, he took us out to a, a park uh, just around the back of our place called Fouds Park and he had been training a little bit by himself and we were coming up to, uh, I think it was the New Zealand secondary schools cross country chaps. He said, we're going to go outside and do a really hard workout. And he absolutely thrashed us. We're running between trees and stuff. And I remember at the end of that, I'd said, I don't want to run anymore, Papa. It's horrible. But then I ran the next day anyway. So he, he, my dad was a hard man, but he was, uh, he was, he knew what he was doing most of the time. Yeah. Uh, did you have any role models like in other sports? I mean, you know, if you're a New Zealander, you need, you, you have the rugby players. You know? oh, of course, I always, of course. you know. Jonah Lomo, who could run the 100 meters in under 10.3 seconds. So he, I mean, he was amazing. And then, you know, of course, I have the uh, the runners like Peter Snell and uh, Dick Quacks, Rod Dixon, John, uh, John uh, Bailey, and so on. I mean, they all um, they all been hugely influential in how I feel about running. And then, you know, even the triathletes, like uh, friends like Paul Amy and Hamish Carter and people like that that have sort of, when I've been injured, I've gone and done some triathlon and, and looked up to them. And, and many people that I look up to today are, are people in the same sort of runners, triathletes, but then also anyone who devotes a lot of time into their sport and uh, and that lifestyle is, is inspirational to me. But is it a lot of... Uh, is it a, like a natural, I don't know, crossbreed, like between runners and triathletes? Yeah, and, I think so. Yeah. Just that triathletes are a little bit more uh, uh, stuff, technique, and uh, <laughs> they're more nerdy when it comes to that running. And until I got to Sweden, I would say, and maybe even a little bit before that in the United States, it's more about just getting on your running shoes and going outside and running and everything will take care of itself. Whereas now I know things have changed a little bit. There's a lot about technique, about footwear and so on. But back in my day, we didn't really think about technique as such. We didn't think about, okay, you need a watch uh, that could show you the pace you're running every single day, which I think is, we may get to that later. But, uh, you know, I think uh, the simplicity of running has always been um, uh, something. And then if you compare that to uh, sport like triathlon, it's always been a little bit more, look at my bike, uh, a lot of grams, yeah, a lot of yeah, exactly. carb, carbon, and Low, uh, yeah, carbon fiber, yeah. you know, aluminium and so on. <laughs> what happened with the, uh, you went to the States. Mm -hmm. How come? Yeah. I was, I was about 26 and uh, I had a girlfriend at the time and she said, oh, I need you to come to a meeting with me. Uh, there's a, uh, a coach from the United States that wants to recruit me to their co the college on a scholarship. And I, she was a bit of a shy uh, girl, and I said, okay, I'll come along. And so we went to that meeting, and there was this older coach called Dwayne Vanderbush from Western State College. And uh, he, um, she, she, uh, 
we had a great meeting and she, he was really interested in getting her to come along and then all of a sudden she said, I need to go into the bathroom, I think, or something. And then while she was in the bathroom, he started talking to me, so do you run and so on. So I started talking about my running career and he says, we need you to come as well. <laughs> so then I, I was 26, I'd been working, you know, six days a week, eight hours a day, massaging, trying to study, also doing my... Uh, masters in exercise physiology and then I said you know I'm always getting injured maybe it's my time to to go over to the states and see how well like how good I could run um, and so then I said well why not so I went and my girlfriend at the time stayed home for at least a year and then she came over later but uh, that was history but uh, that's why I went to the states and then, then my bro twin brother that was the first time me and my twin brother had split up he went to another school for half a year before he came up to where we were. Um, so that was a hard time being a, a, my brother was very close and then we split up and then I went to the States in different sides of the country. I was in Colorado, he was in Savannah, which is uh, very, very warm and uh, we met up only in spring break and things like that for the first year anyway. And then I dragged him and my ex-girlfriend to Colorado later that year. Colorado is really nice, isn't it? Oh, like with it, where we, we were talking about the nature in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean that's why one of the reasons why I, yeah. I picked the school because it was it was a small town of five thousand people. Um, it was up in the mountains. There was not much else to do apart from training, and uh, you could go. I remember first time I arrived there, uh, we had a a couple of other New Zealanders on the team, and they said, well, we need to do this amazing run as part of your initiation to be part of the team. So we ran from a place called Gothic, which is up at around 7,000 feet. So That's a heavy name, yeah, Gothic. Gothic, yeah, yeah. it's an amazing mountain that looks like a Gothic cathedral. And then we ran from there over to Aspen, over what's called the Maroon Bells, which is one of the most amazing photographic places you can think of. And then stayed there for a few hours, sleeping in the park, eating food, and then ran all the way back. So we ran over a pass of about 13,000 feet, so about uh, three, just under 3,000 meters, and then over twice, and I remember on the way back, I went through all the five, sta four stages of grief anger, <laughs> desperation, <laughs> thinking, wow, well, I'm never going to survive. But I did, but it was an amazing uh, experience. So that's one of the reasons why I picked Colorado. Plus, I mean, it had a great tradition of being one of the best schools in the Division II uh, area, and I thought that would be the way to see how well I could become. Uh, uh, but what kind, of, what kind of runner were you at this point? I was still an 800, 1500 mm. meter runner. Mm. I was doing my longest run. I was running, you know, f six days a week. But I was running, uh, my longest run would be about 90 minutes. And, uh, you know, I'd run, I think it was three minutes, 49 seconds for 1,500 meters, which isn't great. I mean, it's slow. And uh, so I wasn't, uh, by no means, I was an average kind of runner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, uh, at some point, you kind of made a transition into into a coach yeah and that was basically I went when I got to America um, I mean I'd done my exercise physiology degree and so on and then I, I got to America and and the coach who uh, talked to me he wasn't really a coach he's more of an inspiration and motivational kind of guy and he had no real ideas about you know <laughs> he just would pick something that he had done four years ago and do the same thing every week and so then I sat down with him and this other New Zealand guy and said, you know, we need to uh, 
make us into a better team. And so there we started. I started with this other guy, Michael Ash, who's a very, very good runner from New Zealand, one of the best New Zealanders ever had, developed a training program for our our team for the next four and a half, five years. Um, and uh, and we had such great success. I mean, we will go into that later. But uh, And that sort of helped. And then on the side of that, I was helping a few of my team mates and so on and so on. So... Um, I didn't really. I was still really, really focusing on my own running, but I used that downtime when I wasn't training myself to help other people, help the team, basically designing my. Okay, what this week I want to do this, so let's make everyone else do this. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. But it was, it was a good, good time. So I was still running. I wouldn't say that I was a coach, coach, just a coach until I got to Sweden, where I sort of uh, decided to give up my dream of making it to the Olympics and focus on other people's dream of making the Olympics, which I have a couple, so, still, so that's good. Because that, at, at some point you uh, you ended up meeting the the Swedish blonde. Yes. That was in the States. I met her in for the first time at the Swedish, I'm sorry, the uh, American College uh, NCAA Championships. And it was in 2001 for the first time. And we finished the same place in our respective races. So I would think I was 12th place and she was 12th in the women's race. And at they have this big banquet after each of the events. And so we were sitting down and I think she went up first to get her award. And of course, when you see a beautiful blonde with her, she was out of Hawaii University. She had this wonderful flower lay around her neck. And so I was just looking, man, she finished the same place as me. God, she's gorgeous. And then uh, as she was coming down off the stage, we were, I was going up to get my award. I said, oh, well done. Uh, you shouldn't follow me and, and, and get the same place as me. And she was just like, okay, uh, who's this madman? So anyway, <laughs> so that was 2001. And then I didn't see her again until the following year. Uh, and then we met uh, at the same event and we finished at the same position again <laughs> and so then I made a I went up first the stage on the stage this time and when I came back I said to her you know you just I'm gonna have to call the police you know based on last year and this year and she was just like uh who are you what's your name what are you doing talking to me so anyway cut a long story short she then um came up to our table with her coach at the time um later on that evening and my coach uh, said, this is Lisa Blumer, and this is her coach, I can't remember her name, and the Lisa's going to run for our school next year. And I was under the table going, yes! Yes! <laughs> so about six months later, she moved from Hawaii to the coldest place on the, uh, <laughs> apart from Alaska, obviously, <laughs> in the Colorado, and uh, wondered why the hell she'd moved. <laughs> and then I talked her into it, and about six months later, we became a couple. Nice. So that was about 2002, late 2002, 2003. And she was a proper runner as well. She started off as a tennis player, actually, went mm -hmm. over to the States to Hawaii on tennis scholarship, and then she decided she didn't want to play tennis anymore. So she took up running and uh, did quite well in the Hawaii Marathon. And so that's when the uh, sport director at Hawaii Pacific said, I oh, will give you a scholarship for your running instead. And then uh, they only had the cross-country season there. So then they, she said, oh, well, I want to try track. And that's when she wanted to come to Colorado because we had a good track program. Mm -hmm. um, how is your 
Swedish assimilation going? Was it was it natural to to move to Sweden? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I came for the first time. I came with Lisa in two thousand and three. One month. November. Ah, oh, the best month. The best month <laughs> on the planet. And uh, I honestly, and I joke about this when I give lectures and things. I jo- I, j- I say on the plane, I thought I was still going to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at me, but uh, but yeah, Sweden. I was here, and then I realized, my God, it's dark, it's dingy, it's grey, and uh, people don't really like to talk to you on the bus <laughs> and on the pedal <laughs> talk or the train to Nirvana. So I was I was a bit miserable for because she started work straight away, and I was. But it was Stockholm. In Stockholm. Stockholm. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hesselby. Mm-hmm. So we were out in Hasselby, and I still remember taking a taxi for the first time from Hasselby into town. It's and so it cost cheap. so much. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? This country's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but I can say now that, it, I mean, I love Stockholm. I love Sweden. It's a great place to live, and it's, um, it's an incredible place to bring up kids and, and enjoy the outdoors, which is... If I was to live anywhere else in the world, it would have been Sweden as opposed to, say, uh, New Zealand. But is it similar, the, the change of the seasons, if you compare Sweden and New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, we have the four seasons in, in Auckland or in New Zealand, but I would say in Auckland it's a little bit more milder, so it's not as, uh, as grey. It's a bit more wet, maybe, when it's really wet, mm-hmm. but it's not, uh, it hasn't got the snow and stuff like that so it's a little bit different in the re- that respect and um yeah and then the darkness is a little less dark in Auckland on the worst day on the, on the year so uh and there's always sunlight at some stage whereas I think in November last year we had like five hours of sunlight here yeah. in Stockholm which is terrible yeah it is mm. um now you 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 uh you work full-time as a running coach yep what characteristics would you say is mostly found in a good runner? I think that they're driven to some degree to be better, whether it's to be a world champion or to be just get off the couch, you still have to be driven. Um, I think that they, uh, a person needs to be um, to like running or uh, uh, the ability to try and like running. My wife says she hates running, and yet she still runs because she's driven. Um, I think that um, you like to, you also like to be a little bit by yourself, um, and have and have that time to think with through your thoughts. I think that's you're not a lo- you don't you're not afraid to spend time by yourself and and, and so on. And then I think um, probably the last thing that you really need is is a bit of patience because you're not going to get anywhere fast in a running uh, running career because you'll get injured because it's such a uh, heavy sport on your body so I think mo- most what most people do wrong who start running is that they tend to start off too fast and then get injured and then lose motivation so you need to be uh, yeah patient um, because you said earlier that not everyone is is, is born to run no. uh, but but so you would say that there could be examples of of someone who is an exceptional runner, mm. but had a lot of not so many things going going for him or for her. Yeah. But but he or she had the the mental strength. Exactly. The, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you look, take my wife. She she saw the opportunity of uh, making it 
to stay in Hawaii with her running and so she started training instead of playing tennis and that made her she didn't like running but it gave her the opportunity to stay where she was and then she's a driven person so that helped her so yeah you don't actually have to like running to be a to be a runner if you or have those characteristics just those other characteristics that are most important I think the driven the patience the and so on mm. what kind of people hire you a lot of those kind of things. I mean, we have, uh, we've just had a, uh, like a very important VIP night for some of our most important clients. And these are people that have helped us get to where Urban Tribes is today. And we had 65 people turn up to that event. And, um, and most of these people are high in the, in their jobs. Um, they are the, the decision makers. Um, they have, uh, been, um, high-performing or driven people in the past, whether it's in sport or clo it has to be some sort of sport, and then later on in life decided, okay, now I want to run sub forty before I turn fifty, and so on. Um, and then, and then maybe a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you don't have to be rich to employ urban tribes, but these people, the sixty-five that we Im invited, were more people who. Who spent money on on our services, and 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 that one way or another that has helped them, and don't mind paying for a little bit of uh, uh, help. I mean, uh, I think the whole theoretically before running was more always thought as a, a cheap man's sport, and it still is in many ways. But I think, you know, you you spend lots of money on other things like going to the movies and so on. So why wouldn't you spend money on getting the best out of out of the running way out of your training I think it's only natural so we're I think we've seen a change from when we first started to where we are today so so my clients are again driven not at all not all of them are patient of course um, uh, and the companies I mean if you look at our company side of things we have uh, you know about 50 companies that we're running with at the moment and they're all like uh, private banking uh, uh, lawyer firms uh, and private equity and so on and so forth and then we have you know NCC big for and and so on so we have a whole range but again um, it's important that there is a ambassador within the group that is loves the running or loves to be part of the group and and promote it throughout the internal side of things so yeah. uh, <coughs> this could be a, a very uh, a very stupid question but uh are runners because you said that runners good runners they're like mentally strong mm -hmm. so are good runners are they uh, easy clients are they good clients uh is it easy to work with because they are mentally strong or is it extremely difficult to to work with them because they are i mean i can say that uh what's the best way to say this i think that the more elite you are the harder it is to coach them because they, you're basically, as their coach, you're basically their um, handbrake because nine times out of ten these people uh, always want to train harder or oh, no, I can't miss a day today. So my job as, as, a, as a coach for when I train Lisa Norden or uh, Charlotte Carlson now is to say, no, you're not going to run. Uh, another half marathon before Stockholm Marathon because you're an injury prone, or you know it's it's to it's to pull the handbrake and say, okay, uh, 
you're not feeling so good. And so my my biggest uh, job for those elite is to look at their training, what they've done, because I get them to send me a training diary every week, what they've done, and then from there say, okay, you don't look that good at the moment. Let's pull back on the mileage or stop the workouts and so on. Um, as you get more and more into the motion air side of things, it's a lot easier, I think, because then they have a more tendency to listen to you and uh, and you can give them a plan as long as you say, okay, this is where we are, this is where we're going to be, this is how we get there. As long as everything goes all right, then you can, uh, uh, then they generally uh, follow you, generally. How many, how many pros can you uh, handle at one time, at the same time? I would say... If I was only doing pros, I could probably handle maybe, you know, probably 10, 15 max. Uh, but that would be only that that I'd be doing because, I mean, if you really want to succeed with them, you have to be at their practices. Um, you have to um, uh, speak to them at least once a week. You know, you have to on the phone or in, in person. I mean, so as an elite athlete, it takes up a lot more time. Um, but it's also quite fun to have these people making the world champs or so on. Um, so, yeah, 10, 15. Um, I write at the moment, uh, if you count the elite and then some of the other people, I write roughly around 20, 25 training programs a month. Um, and that's enough for me. I, I don't take any more at the moment because it's, uh, it's a bit too much with everything else. But it, I guess it's, it's, it's fun to mix up the pros oh, yeah. with the beginners. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think me and Lisa Nordin decided to go our separate ways because she needed someone who could travel with her around the world and, and so on. And she she asked me early on in our working together, um, would you be prepared to leave Urban Tribes and running Sweden and, and, and be with me? And I was like, well, probably not. <laughs> and so at the end of that first year, which was a trial year, we said we sat down with her and Coach Luda and said her swim coach and said, you know, you probably need to go back to Darren because he's the only one pretty much who can travel with you whenever you want and and, and come and train you in a training camp somewhere and so on, um, which he did and she's now doing okay. But uh, but that's, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, but from the way I understood it, with, especially with triathletes, isn't it very good as well for, for the athlete as well? to change coaches once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've sent, uh, definitely, I think uh, you don't know, I mean, uh, there's no specific recipe for one one person. And so anyone who says, okay, just follow Anders Salka's training program, and he's a great coach, don't get me wrong, don't follow Anders Salka's program for three hours, you'll get under three hours. Um, everyone's different, so maybe, you know, out of 10 people, five may, uh, benefit from that kind of training so and and I've got a certain style of training and so does some unders and so on so I think uh, and I'm very happy to say I even if uh, you know you should be with a coach for about a year uh, before you really get to know them really well you know your athlete they know you and then after that year if you haven't seen the improvements or you're getting injured quite a lot then you probably need to try and and uh, hit find another person or work with someone else alongside of um your coach, I think, uh, definitely, um, because everyone's so different. So you, there's no real winning formula. Yeah. Uh, and you also work with, I mean, short distance yeah. and medium distance, and also ultra distance. Yeah. You you work with uh, Kai Sabari. Yeah. 
And is it is it a big uh, is a big differences between the programs? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, eight hundred. I was working with Albin Johansson for a while, and uh, and that's totally, you know, four hard sessions a week, uh, maximum long run of say 75, 90 minutes, and I had to tell him to do that because he didn't want to run that long. Whereas you know, uh, Kaiser was running. Uh, I think the max she I mean she's a fantastic the more training you give her the more she can handle so she's give me more <laughs> so and she was doing very rarely any hard hard type intervals but doing more two long runs in the weekend one of say 45k and the next day of 25k at her race pace and so on and so forth so um, it's what I like about my job I don't I like I like to do the whole spectrum I probably would say my specialty is that I, I'm very personalised when I give my training program. So if you're an 800 metre runner, you're not going to get the same program as a marathon runner, and so on. So it's a, um, but then again, my style is very different to say under Salkai or, you know, Charlotte Carlson or whoever else is coaching out there. Amanda's uh, Magnus Hagstrom and so on. Yeah. Um, if you have, if you're a coach, and you have a client, you have a pro client. And that client ends up with a with an injury. Yep. How does it feel? Uh, I mean, it, you do take some of that ownership on you. I mean, definitely, you are the one who's coaching them. So, definitely, uh, I mean, when Lisa Nordine got injured and she was injured, and I remember I was went over to the states with her and we were going to do um, the high V uh, triathlon there, and we the day before, two days before, we went. Uh, and did a training session. It was meant to be a swim, followed by a few running runs into the water and stuff. And she, she stopped and she broke down in tears and said, "You know, um, I can't do this. I'm going to have to tell them that I'm I can't do this race." And of course, you feel, you know, that's your responsibility, and you want to make them feel, get better so quickly, which is, you know, so of course it's hard, but it's, you know, every time your foot hits the ground when you're running, you're putting anywhere between three to 12 times your body weight through your legs. So you're going to have injuries. There's studies, and you know this as much as I do, that there's studies that one in seven people, runners are always injured. So if you look at that, there's how many runners in Sweden? And you know you're going to get it. But the more you get to know your athlete, the more the coach and athlete works together, the more um, you get to know one another, then you can stop that from happening. Um, yeah. So if you look at if you look at the I don't know, the industry, <laughs> the, the 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 pro runner, pro triathlete and coaching, is it does it ever happen that that like a like an athlete kind of blames it all on a coach? No, I don't think so. No. I think there should be more of that, actually. The way I've heard people talk about what the training have done, including myself, I think there should be more well come on coach what what are you thinking and then you do the same mistakes again um, and I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not fault uh, not fault of that either but I think there should be more that you know the coach should take responsibility and 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 I seem to think that you know when you have an athlete who gets injured that's not when you as a coach you step back and say okay well you call me back when you're when you're healthy and fit and you then that's when they really need you and that's when they really need to work you need to work with them and maybe spend more time with them in the pool or uh, treating them yourself if you're a tr if you're a, you can treat yourself or or someone go to your doctor or the or the physio that they're going to see and make sure that you they see that you're the part of 
their rehabilitation program process because I think that's when a lot of coaches say, okay, well, call me when you're done and we'll pick it up, which is sad because that's when I know that's when I needed uh, help the most and I never got it. Did you, um, do you yourself have, have experiences of, of injuries? Oh, yeah, you know me, I've had every injury. That's why I'm so good. Uh, before I became just a running coach, I was at Access Rehab and treating people. And, and I've, you know, I've had, you name a running injury that I don't, haven't had and I'll be surprised. But, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I mean, when you're running at that level and you, you're training yourself, you it's don't really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, so I, I have that kunskap or um, experience to, how to take somebody back from injury and, and the rehab to where they were back in performing at the high, high level. So, and I think that should be something that all coaches should have some sort of um, experience or knowledge about, which is one of the reasons why we, we've uh, added that into our stage two coach course that we have, um, because I think it's important, even though you're not diagnosing an injury that you know, okay, if you have a stress fracture, how long does it take to normally get over to heal and then what's the way back from there? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Um, if you compare now with, uh, say, 10 years ago or something. Now it's much more common to go uh, to have a coach, like in a group or individual coach. Don't you sometimes think that it could be, uh, that there could be a danger that for some people that you turn, you turn uh, how, people, how people see running, like you turn it from something that's super simple yeah. into something that's super difficult. Mm-hmm. If I would look at it from an outside perspective, I would, I would think, I need, I need compression tights. Yeah. I need uh, these kind of shoes, depending yeah. on how far I run. On yeah. what, 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 do I run asphalt or trail? Or I need a trail course. I need yeah. a running course. I, I yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the on the coffin, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I think that there is too much of a 
Uh, I think we're talking about two different things. The, the, the technique side of things or the clothes, I think, is, I mean, it's nice to have new clothes. It's nice to have different shoes for different uh, uh, terrain or whatever. But I think the most, the biggest, most important thing is that you get your training done. And that's what, and then again, it's individual. What does that person need? And so there are some athletes that I have who need to have uh, a group to run with otherwise they can't do it so those that'd be perfect and then you've got what's so good now is you have all these running groups firing up all over Stockholm and all over Sweden then you can say okay well you know you've got run academy in Uppsala if you want to or whatever um, and I don't think but I still think that there there is a for your long runs or for your high intensity workouts that's a really good area to or forum to train with another group but when you're in a you've got your recovery days or your I mean to just go out for a distance then I sometimes say leave your watch at home go out and run by yourself you know a 10k loop just let your body decide how fast you're going to run and you know who cares about what kind of shoes you're wearing or as long as they feel comfortable and you can and you're not going to get injured um, when I was running my best I only had one pair of shoes and say a pair of spikes um, and I think there is too much of a uh, hype about, okay, you have to wear a minimalized shoe when you're running on the road or blah, blah. I think it should be more, I mean, running, it takes away the enjoyment, I think, in some ways. Um, I mean, yeah, do, do you look good? But studies show that there's not many difference between a built-up shoe and a, and a barefoot shoe when it comes to how much injury people get and so on. So I think it's more what feels good for you and what makes you get out and run with your group or by yourself. Yeah. And I don't think you should be wearing a, a GPS watch all the time because then you're just always looking at the pace. Oh my God, I'm running, instead of seven minutes per K pace, I'm running eight minutes per K pace and I'm terrible, which it's your body's way of saying, let me breathe. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, did you have a, grand plan with your with your company i would say that we did and we always i mean we have a, a vision and a mission and uh, and but that's changed over time we've i mean we're such a small company um that you know we have to go where our business is so we sort of grown with the market a little bit um but i think you know our overall mission to deliver some of the best training services and training coaches and and offer the best and most one of the best or one of the most exciting and inspirational company running sessions that one can buy um, has always been our number one mission and we're getting there um, there are other companies as well but I think we're we're leading the market so to speak with how many companies we have and now that Suts is um, employed us to do their running for the second year in a row and, and so on. I think uh, uh, when, if somebody had asked me uh, after I'd started Team Stocker Marathon with the Marathon office um, where the, I thought we'd have a, a company filled with eight people working full time with maybe a hundred coaches and the three in Norway, Finland and, and Sweden, then I would say yeah, go jump off the bridge there's no way that's going to happen but it's um, it's always been a, a vision to get there somehow do you still have a vision yeah 
Yeah, we our our, um, our vision is to keep having fun, keep enjoying what we do. But um, uh, again, we have uh, three main areas that we want to work on. One is, you know, still supply some up to date with the latest research, uh, both on the running side of things, but also how to inspire and motivate people to come to a company training session which we're always looking at new studies and stuff coming out, and what drives people to do what. And then we have, that's one. And then the second is to develop um, one of the most sought after and up-to-date innovative uh, educational systems for our running coaches in, in Scandinavia, and hopefully later on uh, Europe. We don't know. <laughs> and then our third thing is, uh, is to work on um, uh, developing products that we can sell to people like Suts or to personal trainers that both limit the amount of injury that comes out of running and then also uh, promote healthier, happier and hopefully running smarter athletes. Yeah. Um, you have a long experience from running and you have experience from New Zealand, the US and, and Sweden. How has running changed over your during your lifetime, during your professional lifetime, from your perspective? I think it's come from a, like I said, a very simple get on your running shoes and run outside to now being a uh, compression sock. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Garmin, Tom Tom watch, uh, which is good. I'm not saying that it's all bad because you know sometimes you can do some great stuff with these uh, devices and your compression socks. But I think uh, it's shifted from a very simple um, training form to now being a little bit more complicated. Um, and people tend to forget how easy it is to just put on a pair of shoes and go outside, I think, sometimes. Um, but then also coming from uh, when I was younger, picking only one of maybe two coaches in, in Auckland that I could really focus uh, on to now in stock I'm alone there's so many groups that you can pick I mean there's every there's neighborhood group. has exactly. their own exactly <laughs> exactly so I mean we've helped coach I think in Stockholm we've done on our LC1 course now with maybe uh, I think it's like 450 individuals have gone through our stage one course and all of these people can know how to coach a group um, our stage two is more for the individual how to coach an individual run and training program and there's been a little bit less but I think um, and that's just a tribute to how many people want to be out there helping other people to enjoy the uh, the thing of running if you look at how many people a lot more, and running's always been there, but more and more people need a simplistic challenge to get away from the work, from the family, and focus on something that they can do for themselves. And running such a is one of the, if not the best thing to do that with. I mean, triathlon's good too, but still, running is so much more simpler. Yeah. Uh, how would you say Sweden is as a running nation? I don't know, some of the, I mean, Sweden's ahead of the game in front of all of the other. Scandinavian countries, forgive me Oslo and uh, Norway and Finland for saying that, but uh, I mean where Sweden is now and Stockholm is now is where uh, is probably about two to four years ahead of Oslo and maybe four to five years ahead of um, um, uh, Helsinki uh, and I'm not even sure that Helsinki will ever come up to where um, 
where Stockholm is in relation to company running, groups running together and so on. Uh, if you compare the when we did the SATS classes um, between Sweden, Norway and Finland, Sweden was by far the most successful. Uh, Oslo was okay, but a little bit less than Finland. So I think um, as a whole, the innovation comes from Sweden, I think, in many ways. People see that how good it is in Sweden, and then that's now it's following in the other cities. When I say that, though, I know that the Danish market is very highly developed as well, but that's sort of uh, a little bit different than this Norway, Finland, and Sweden. Um, Denmark is such a flat country, exactly. it's so easy to run. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I know they have some big groups and running together in a long time, and that's one of the one of the key reasons why we started Tony Stockholm Marathon and the leading Olympic training groups. So, um, so yeah, I think. Uh, Sweden and Stockholm is a great place for running and you've got, uh, if you want help, you can get the help you need if you have no idea what, where to do and what to start and, and so on. Yeah. Um, if you look at your own performance, is it, is it possible to take a break from, from, from Ruben, the, the coach mastermind? Uh, if you had asked me that question last year, I would have said... Um, Probably not, even though I would have said I could. But uh, last year, I mean, I was running so much. I was running, you know, at least two, most often three times a day in, and sometimes four times a day during the week, Monday through Friday, with different companies or PTs. And then, and then you know, having meetings other side of that and so on. And then weekends, I'd be trying to recover or trying to do my own training or do the club running Sweden training that we had. Um, so I was, I mean, and then I got injured. A little small injury that I kind of put away and then decided that it wasn't getting any better so I took time off but since then now I've sort of uh, realized that I need to because you lose your I mean I, I can still keep the happiness and I can still be inspirational but I even more inspirational and happy when I can do my own training so now I tend to you know I haven't been to a Saturday morning training session with another group for you know, since I left for New Zealand back in uh, in early December, and I and I, you know, I try to do one max two sessions uh, per day per week, um, and even then, one of those sessions was for my own. And then, if they want to come, they can come and play play with me instead. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to be running wise. I'm doing more for myself um, because I need that. And uh, but then, you know, I can't. People ask me why haven't you been to any of the races lately? You know, and I don't, I don't seem to think that I can. I mean, when you go to a race, you want to just watch the race, but it's pretty hard when you've got so many people. You uh, and it's okay. I mean, but I'd rather choose the races I'm going to go to and, and make sure I'm at the top of my game, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if you go in for a for like a walk, just walking through town, a normal day, you will see. Many runners. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you look at a runner without doing like a quick analysis? No, you're you you. Uh, <laughs> you always like oh, yeah, good yeah. footwork. Or <laughs> yeah, bad yeah, I do. I, I, in fact, I have been known to, uh, <laughs> and when I'm doing a course and teaching some people some stuff like some running drills or something, and there's a person that runs past, I'm like, okay, stop, watch, watch this person's running style as they run down the road. <laughs> See what they're doing right? Yeah, all wrong. And uh, no, but I. I would say my wife is worse 
at that than me or better than that of me. She she tends to look at everyone's running style because she's our technique specialist, so to speak. Um, I've always been, as you as I've said, when I was growing up, technique was just you did your running drills and then your technique would be fine. So. I tend to, uh, the opposite between me and Lisa, I tend to look at the person and say, oh, I know that person. Whereas Lisa's like, oh, look at that running style. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she has a, like an x-ray vision. She only sees the joints. And yeah, the... exactly. She's, not a, she's also uh, um, face blind as well. So she, she, you could be doing an interview like this and she would, uh, two days later, have no idea who you are. She actually didn't, that uh, explains the uh, your first encounter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I can also imagine that, like, similar as if you were a doctor and you end up like right next to someone at a party, mm. and you tell them that you're a running coach. Uh, how long does it take until they start asking you, like, you know, I'm actually I'm looking at a marathon <laughs> next year, and what do you think I should focus on? Yeah, that's uh, that's a common, <laughs> yeah, yeah. especially because most of the parties that I get invited to are running parties. So, um, only drink protein shakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're at the movies and so ribbon. No, no, <laughs> but um, no, I, I mean, I love my job, so that's one of the reasons why my wife gets mad because I'm always thinking about my job because I love it so much. So, I mean, if I'm at a party and any of you that are listening. Uh, Uh, don't come up to me and ask me about your running, <laughs> then I'll be very upset. No, <laughs> but I love it, so I mean it doesn't mm. bother me like that at all. In fact, it's a nice uh, icebreaker to uh, starting a conversation. It's nicer to talk about interval training than than talk about the price per square meter of apartments <laughs> in Stockholm. Exactly. <laughs> no one wants to hear how much that's gone up, <laughs> unless you're selling, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, it feels like this, this like the industry, they all want to sell like quick fixes. Yeah. Like all people, like secretly they want to hear, like all you need to do is do uh, 15 minutes of, uh, I don't know, push-ups, this and this, and mm. this is all you need, all you no. need. Uh, do you ever get tired? Uh, like like y- you, you see in people's eyes that they're so disappointed when you tell them it's going to take two years or it's going to take one year. I mean, you have to be smart how you say it. I think. I mean, you have to become like a Mr. Miyagi, yeah, like exactly. to plant seeds of wisdom. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. I think it's all about if you say to someone who doesn't know, uh, say, say if someone came to me and said, "I want a training program for Stockholm Marathon. Uh, it's now six weeks to go. Um, I want to. I have to run maybe my longest run is 10k, and I run that in 60 minutes. Can you make me run the marathon in three hours and six weeks' time? Then you can say, "Oh well, you know." I mean, probably not, but there's a reason behind that. And if you tell them the reason and why, and I mean, I don't think I've ever met anyone who I've said, because if we do this, you're going to get injured or you're going to get uh, unmotivated because it's so tough. Um, Then there's hardly anyone that would say, okay, well, I'll go to someone else. Um, I think there is uh, a need to be honest and say, If you don't think that this, if you're a coach and you don't think that this person's going to be able to make their uh, their time in the allotted time that they've set, and I think if you give that answer to someone, then they have more respect for you and more um, uh, trust for you anyway. So I think it's a it's an important thing to do. So I I tend to 
not get pissed off, but I tend to be a little bit tired of, um, you know, uh, fix this on your technique and you will be, you'll never be injured again, or fix this on your technique and you'll run four minutes faster over 10K just by fixing this. I think that's, or wear this latest shoe and you'll be, you know, I think that's, nothing can replace hard work and consistent work over a long period of time. I mean, just looking physiologically, it takes about two years to reach your genetic, and that's with no um, no interruption to the break, no, if running four, five, maybe six days a week to reach your genetic peak for your VO2 max. So if every time you get injured, you go back four or five steps. So I don't think... Um, uh, there's no quick fix to becoming a an athlete and becoming your and getting better and reaching those goals that you set for yourself that's not saying that you can't set interim goals that you can meet and you keep that motivation up but I think you're if you're a say for myself when I was growing up I wanted to run the uh, 10k in 27 minutes and uh, my coach says uh, well you run 30 minutes now there's no way you're ever going to get down there in a year's time then I would have I would have said, okay, I, I believe you kind of thing. I think it's um, it's just listen to the coach and, and know that it's the consistency and the hard work over time that's going to produce the results and keep you inju- injury-free and motivated for the years to come. What's the longest break you've had from running? I had a, a stress fracture in my pelvis, um, actually a few of them <laughs> in my pelvis, and uh, it was because I had a... a, a symphysis pubis problem it's a little um, uh, where your pelvis joins down in the groin area there's a little bit of cartilage there and that's for guys should and girls should stop uh, shouldn't move at all and mine because of my car accident um, when I got hit by a car when I was out running dislodged a little bit and so when I didn't do my exercises in the gym and I didn't do my core rehab of exercises um, then I started to develop more stress in my pelvic region and then I had to have 18 months off I tried to get back 18, in 18, 18 months. months and I tried to get that was when I f- pretty much f- only a few maybe a year after I arrived into Sweden so then I had to really I mean that was the longest it was terrible I tried to start every now and then and I'd be still sore so then I'd have another month off and so on so um, yeah that was uh, that was the longest 18 months what happened with the uh, with the accident I was uh, I was in the states. I was training for the world champs. Uh, I had to do a like a fitness test, um, and I had to run. I was trying to make it in the five k, and I was in the fa- shape of my life. And me and my wife, was girlfriend at the time, Lisa, went down to Florida Keys for a spring break, and uh, and we were actually out on a run, and um, uh, we had a rental car and all our stuff was in our rental car and we were running up the road on a nice morning run really beautiful and next to the beach and then I was like shit I don't think I locked the car I'll go back and check and then I'll catch you up Um, and she said okay that was only about three minutes into the run so then I turned around went back the car was locked of course and now as we're running back I get to this set of lights the green man says I could cross and I ran across and this guy went through I was a little bit drunk, went through a red light, and I went through the windscreen and ended up in hospital and uh, beaten up for about two weeks. Um, so I had two compression fractures in my spine and uh, so on and so forth, lots of injuries. 
lots of stitches. And, but you uh, were lucky. I was lucky. They said if I hadn't been that fit, I would have been, um, I would have been a lot worse off. Uh, but I never really came back from to where I was after that. Uh, that that I would say would basically be the end of my international top career. My do- doctors back then used to say, you know, over a lifetime, people would get that same sort of wear and tear of their body, but you had that. All in one package. All in one package. All in one drunk package. One drunk package. But I got a a little bit of money out of, you know, the American system that you can sue people. So I got a little bit of money (laughs) for that. So that paid for our down payment on our uh, apartment. So you've got to think uh, positive about yeah. things, right? And you got a good encounter with a, was it a, like a classic American lawyer? Yeah, it was. <laughs> he said, I can get you a million bucks. <laughs> Thank you. No, there wasn't that much, but it was enough to pay off a down payment on a very expensive hmm. apartment in Stockholm at, at a um, summer party. Mm-hmm. Um, when is it the most difficult for you to, to tie your laces and go out running? November. <laughs> November. No, yeah, probably November when it's raining, it's dark. Uh, it's already raining, so it's uh, and and it's cold, maybe one, two degrees. It's windy. You know that you will never, ever get really warm. Yeah, exactly. Like on the, yeah. exactly. It's okay if you're already running and it starts to do that, but it's that, that first initial getting out. And then maybe... Probably after a really, really hard session when I was running my best, a hard session, and you know you're meant to do a recovery run, which are really just go out and basically walk around 6K. And you think, well, I mean, it's so boring. Why would I want to just do 6K at seven minutes per K pace? But then you get out anyway because it's good for your body. But uh, those are the toughest. The hardest thing is the first one, though, of course, in Stockholm when it's miserable weather. Not like today. But is it is it difficult? But like, do you have a do you have an issue with pride? Like, if you like if you go out running, chances are pretty big that someone will see you and recognize you. <laughs> no. Do you think about that? Like, oh, I have to perform. No, I have no, to perform. No. Shape no, up, now, Ruben. No, no, Be no. fast. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I would say that's one of the reasons why I haven't raced for a while. Maybe. Because I tend to think, okay, I need to be a little bit fitter. But running-wise, if I just go out and run on a, uh, any day, <sighs> no, not really. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty good at, for some of our companies that we do, they're some really, really good athletes. And so I'm very good at, uh, at designing the workout and where I stand and how I run the workout to make sure I can run with everyone and keep up the pace at least one time with the top, top runners. So... I'm pretty sure that I can, nah, not really. But it's kind of, it's, you have to be clever as well. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to run uh, um, uh, 10K. I mean, my best 10K is under 29 minutes. So to go out and run a 10K now when I've just come back from injury again mm. and, and, you know, I'm, I'm fit but I'm not fit fit, I probably wouldn't be able to break 35 minutes. I mean, that's kind of emba- not embarrassing, but more <laughs> embarrassing to myself rather than uh, than people who would see me run 35 minutes. I don't think that really stops me from doing it. It's more of a own pride thing. I want to be a little bit fitter more first. Uh, what do you think of the future of running when it comes to trends? And, and some, what, do you, what do you see in the crystal ball? <laughs> 
I think that uh, it was, it's a very good question. I mean, we talk about that in the company all the time. I think that the, the company side of things, the company running will keep, to, keep on increasing a little bit. In the past, up until about uh, when we first started the company, there were a lot of big companies that said, okay, we want five coaches once a week for a whole year, whereas now it's more, okay, we want... Uh, 10 sessions in the spring and uh, maybe in the fall. For a, speci for a specific event. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. So a lot more um, uh, event-orientated. Um, I think there's been a, there's going to be a lot more companies that deal with consulting for or having clients. I think that's a very, and what we saw even today in this run that I ran today, the more you can involve your client in making sure you look after their health, come and run with us, um, then that's going to be a bigger thing in the future, I think. With regard to um, uh, running races and things like that, I think, you know, because running is such a, a hard sport on the body, I think we've already seen a bit of a shift from just just running to uh, swim run to triathlon, but I think that'll go in waves a little bit. It'll always, okay, we've done triathlon, now I'll start doing the marathon again and so on and do that in a circle. Um, I think that, uh, what else? I think that um, more and more people are going to be wanting to run on, like, uh, uh, Fjallin, like in the mountains, or I think that's going to be a, because nothing beats a, a, a run with your mates up in the mountains and taking in the scenery. Anyone can run the marathon, but. Uh, you know, I, I've read this book that uh, talks about um, what gets people uh, motivated or talking to one another more or whatever, and it's always, you know, explaining about something that somebody hasn't done or and so on, and 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 that's one of the reasons why Earth to Earth is so successful because it's an experience, it's a challenge, but then it's also you've got two people experiencing and you're relying on another person. So I think it'll be more of that kind of stuff in the future. Um, uh, do you see a, I guess inflation could be one word for it, like a in, inflation when it comes to distances, that it's um, yeah. uh, it's like one marathon, the, I mean, today is like nothing. Yeah, yeah. Now it has to be ultra. And yeah, I, I, I mean, if you look at the uh, Svenska Friedrich Verbundet's uh, new uh, cifra, uh, statistics, they say that the most, the biggest increase in entries into races is the ultra marathons and the ultra races I think that's I think that's going to be again uh, as we've seen it already it's going to increase but I think I think that's not you have to really really like running to do the long stuff you know and I think not you know if you take an average of say 10 people maybe two or three of those people will go that long but I think maybe the other six eight people will either keep in the running or go to triathlon or, or something else instead just to, um, yeah and I think if you look at these clubs there's all these clubs opening up uh, I think that'll start for a while but eventually there'll be a um, the club there'll be one or two bigger clubs and there'll be one or two bigger coaches I, well I'd like to see that I think I think there's too many um too many clubs and people tend to be split about where they want to join. I think that, you know, 
and and I think that's a sad thing that has happened since we've sort of started is that we've instead of bringing groups and runners together now we're segregating them even more you see what I mean I think that's a sad thing because running is such a a lonely sport anyway and it's, it's a good to be lonely sometimes but it's also good to share these experiences together and I think that hopefully in the future we'll see a like a partnership between say run day and club running sweden or between club running sweden and run academy and so on and so that instead of fighting against each other for one or two people where you're working as a as a unison to make running a better sport for everyone um we've already mentioned the book born to run mm -hmm. would you guess that people spend more or less money on running like before or after they spend more money on now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Just is like very ironic because the core of the, the, the book, book is, is, is the, the running industry is like milking the customers yeah. for money and, and kind of... I know. Even the guy who wrote the book, McDougal, he's, uh, he's made millions of... And now it's going to be a movie, it's, I think. Yeah, no, yeah it's going to be a movie yeah. and he's... Now he's starting another project called it's Natural Heroes or no, right, yeah, something like with that, heroes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a book with with uh, what's his name, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. I did hear that. Um, so I think even though he says it's you know bad and blah blah, blah I mean he's he's milked the industry, <laughs> which is a great book. So I mean I I recommend it all the time. But it's still, I think, I mean it's as again I I. I Running so simple, it should be simple. All you need to think about is consistency and and a long term uh, goal, and then um, and then everything is if you need it or not to keep you motivated. I think. Um, I also think, and I, one other thing that I forgot to add about in the future, I think, I think we'll see, and we're working with a project right now. Hopefully, that will come off the ground, but maybe. We'll see our first endurance center in Stockholm, where you can run all year round outside, um, and uh, combined with sw swimming and cycling and so on, all in one sort of area. Um, and that'll be a uh, hopefully a, a meeting point for all these different clubs. Um, and that's what we're trying. That's our dream. Um, at Urban Tribes Club Running Sweden is to try to start bringing people together. People ask us all the time, our coaches, are we allowed to work for uh, Run Academy or um, uh, Nordic Trail? And we're like, of course. I mean, you know, you've, it's such a small world and, mm. and what you can learn from them, you can teach to us. So I think that's that's the future. I think we we never feel like having competition is a bad thing. We think having competition is a good thing because that helps us lift our game, but then also try to bring the group together. And I think hopefully that will be what happens in the future. And in the end, we don't have to spend thousands and thousands of krona every month to be able to um, do what we love and continue doing what we love. Uh, why do you think that there are so many, because it seems that there are so many profits within the for instance, the running world. Maybe it is within football, hockey, travel, I don't know, but it seems like running is, there's a lot of prophets who all carry the, the one truth. Yeah. 
yeah. Is it is it because of the boom? Is it because of the that it's a lot of money in it? Or I think I think people. I I I looked at that the other day. Me, me and my wife were talking about it the other day. We we're like, yeah. Um, there seems we were asked quite a few times whether we could be on Upton Blard or blah blah blah. And now we're not asked anymore, which is not a bad thing or a good thing. I'm not saying that. But now there's the next PT Fia or uh, whatever her name is who does TV4. Ah, anyway, um, and I think, uh, I think the the thing that drives that is that more uh, new. If you've been running for a while, you want some new blood to listen to, which is good. I think that when you're just starting up running, you want to see the latest person who's now talking about something different, which is sort of the same thing, but. And a different angle, so I think it's a it's a good thing if it's going to help people um, get out there and run and train. But I think um, again, there's no magic recipe for, and there's no no uh, secret to what's going to make you a, a better profit than anyone else. It's back down to being humble and following the fundamental principles of training and why and how to keep your athletes from being injured and having fun at the same time. So good on PT Fear, she's lovely, uh, and so on. Uh, but I don't like the fact that the media sometimes, like the one on from SVT last week that said, if you're a motionaire and you start training hard, you're going to suffer from some kind of heart problems. I think that's, that's just blowing everything and changing the... Uh, t into a bad light and I don't think that that's what our country our countries need I think we need to have um, you know uh, listen to the the people that know what they're doing and, and, and be aware of those that don't know what they're doing and there's a lot out there <laughs> who do and don't yeah. uh, what are you most proud of? Um, I think I'm most proud that I can if you said have asked me when I started Team Stocker Marathon with Stocker Marathon office uh, that I'd be doing what I'm doing today, sitting in front of you, and you've had so many people that are so much more amazing than I am uh, uh, doing your podcasts and and uh, and working full time as a, a running coach and being able to do what I love and have always loved in my life, I think I would have said you were crazy. So that's uh, probably my greatest. Um, achievement I think um, and then also having you know helped the elite but then also people have never run before to 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 get to where they are and how they it's part of their lives I mean just for instance this again I'm going to talk about our VIP night the other the other, last week and we had 65 people and I had so many um, uh, e emails or text messages after that event saying uh, it's so amazing that you've now made uh, me into an athlete and uh, helped me change my life so it's part of my culture and, and at my company so I think it's um, that's, a, that's a, a great achievement I think that if somebody was to ask me whether I would have liked to make the Olympics or do what I'm doing now, I would probably say both. No, um, <laughs> I probably would have said uh, uh, as long as I've been able to and keep doing what I'm doing and enjoy it, then that's uh, an achievement, yeah. my best achievement. 
Where are you now in your life? I'm getting old. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, you know, I've just got a small family at home now, so uh, you know, focus is is on them a little bit more, which is is good and bad. Uh, before it was just on club running Sweden, running Sweden and urban tribes, but now it's a little bit uh, um, broken up. I think that um, I still love what I do, and I still um, want to see the next best elite person rise to the top and I want to see the next person who's never run before so I, I've still got the same drive and everything that I've had since I first started um, and I want to be in this game for a while longer if not as long as I can you know of course I'm not going to be able to run as fast as some of these younger boys anymore but uh, but that doesn't matter as long as I'm out there helping people to run happier, run smarter, run healthier. I think it's um, it's where I want to be and what I want to do, yeah. Anything you would like to add? I mean, I, I, I've talked about it already. I think that, you know, there's lots of people out there. There's lots of groups. Um, I think that listeners tend to, uh, you need to think about what drives you as a person and find a coach or a group that will help you get to where you want to be. Um, I think that you know you would spend money on getting your car fixed um, so why would you not spend money and it doesn't have to be a lot of money but why would you not spend money on on making you get to enjoy your running a little bit more and that doesn't mean getting a coach it just means what drives you and what can help you to get to where you are today where to where you want to be and that could be run a 10k not just run a 10k fast um, and I think the other thing is I, th I think that um, th like I said there's no magic recipe for anyone so as long as you stay healthy stay happy enjoy what you do and have consistency all year round um, then you'll get the improvements even if you want them or not um, and uh, if somebody tells you do this magical exercise and you'll be better in two weeks, then you should need to be a little bit more skeptical. <laughs> it may help you, but uh, nothing beats the long, slow, consistent training that will make you better. Even on November mornings? Oh, even on November mornings when you don't want to get out. That's right, exactly. Find something else. That's when the group is probably good for you because yeah. then you can, oh, I have to go because Bob's waiting for me. Or but I, I mean, I'm very honoured that uh, you've asked me to, to do this, and I know you've had some amazing uh, people on this, on this podcast. So uh, I hope somebody listens. I'm sure they will. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.